0: Hey, guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Uh, we've got a, a little bit of a different podcast for you today. We're being joined by a minor league player in the Red Sox organization, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. He's got a kind of a unique story, and, and we thought he'd be a, an interesting guest to have on. So uh, we're going to give this a shot with Ryan today and, and see how it goes. Usually we have coaches on, and today just kind of changing things up a little bit. I'll give you a background on Ryan so you know a little bit about, um, you know, why we had him on and, and why we think he'd be a good guest for the program He is a a Hinsdale, Illinois native, Uh, moved to Michigan when he was four, then back to Illinois when he was 11, went to Creighton University where he was a 2016 uh, graduate. He went undrafted out of Creighton, uh, played the following season, uh, played independent ball for the Gary South Shore Railcats of the American Association. Uh, The Red Sox picked him up the following season for 2018. He officially signed on May 8, 2018. Uh, played 2018 in the minor league system, played 2019 um, in high A, was a Carolina league all-star, uh, posted a 960 fielding percentage as a primary shortstop, uh, slashed 271 with a 345 on-base percentage, 375 slugging percentage, so had a pretty good year offensively as well, probably his best year um, at any level really, which which is something we'll get into um, during the podcast and in 2019 he had such a good season defensively he won the Red Sox minor league defensive player of the year award he was honored uh, with that award at Fenway Park which had to have been pretty cool that was also his first trip to Boston um, and then in 2020 we are recording this during the quarantine phase there's there's still no baseball happening right now but, um, but Ryan did go to uh, he was in camp was in spring training uh, and got to play in, uh, in some big league games and uh, actually drove in the first run of the 2020 spring training season for the Red Sox in a, in a big league game. So that's kind of a cool, uh, cool little thing uh, on Ryan's resume. But Ryan, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today, and uh, I'm excited to talk with you and just kind of see, uh, kind of hear more about your story.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on. That's uh, quite, quite an incredible uh, research you did there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. For, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Learn more at marines.com. Absolutely. So, I, I like to start usually with something that stands out from the bio, and for you, there, there are quite a few things um, that I'd love to talk about with you. But the first thing is just—I uh, know you had a little bit of a down year as a senior. I had a pretty good year as a junior. Then as a senior, you, you hit 230. Um, uh, your offensive production dropped off a little bit. You had 289 on—I'm I'm sorry, yeah, 289 on base percentage, 321 slugging, a 610 OPS. Um, and, and you, you've you always been a defensive first guy, but the offense kind of lagged behind a little bit there as a senior, and then you went undrafted, and then the following year uh, played minor league. Uh, I'm sorry, played independent ball. I guess I'd like to kind of start with um, the offensive side of things and just kind of find out what happened, you know, from junior to senior year. It's something I, I think is, is good to talk about because some guys – get to that senior year and they feel the pressure of the draft or they changed something in their swing that didn't work or just kind of ran into bad luck or whatever it may be. And I'm just kind of curious what happened with you uh, from junior to senior year, if anything, just for the uh, for your numbers to go down to that point that you sum as a senior.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, something that, you know, I used to I used to try to figure out. And um, the conclusion that I had come to, you know, a couple of years ago when I had not gotten drafted and even when I was, you know, going through my senior year, um, I never really listened to my body much. Um, I kind of was just, you know, whatever a coach told me to do, I did, and I, I'd go at it 100%. Um, and I never really understood uh, when it was the time to go 100% and when it was the time not to. Um, I was always on a gas pedal uh, 24-7. So my body was, was trashed my senior year. Um, I I started actually in warm-ups. I would count my, my throws that I would do game you know that would be between warm-ups in and out um and then during batting practice we would take round balls um I don't know if you're familiar with with how Creighton runs their uh you know their their warm-ups and stuff, but it's uh it's pretty crazy it's it's uh, very hectic and it's rapid fire so um as as a senior I was the only guy at second base so I was taking about 120 to 130 throws before every game um and my arm was hanging, and I was popping ibuprofen like they were candy, uh, which I do not recommend at all to anyone. It's just very bad for your for your stomach lining, and, and can lead to some, some serious problems. But uh, yeah, you know, I would get into the game, and, and I remember I can I can think back to when I was standing in the box, and and my legs were just shaking from barely being able to hold me up. I was you know experiencing this extreme fatigue. Um, but I really didn't have a choice, you know, I just, I kept plugging, kept plugging, trying to figure out a way to make it work, um, I just, I never, I never felt right my senior my body never, um, was able to recover, um, and I also, not, not that I didn't take my recovery seriously, but I didn't understand the importance of getting enough vegetables and getting enough protein to recover, you know, I would drink my, my protein shake and, you know, have a couple veggies here and there, but, uh, I think nutrition was another aspect that um, has really, you know, been huge for me, um, you know, after my college career. Something that I was able to audit a little better um, and take care of myself better. So that was kind of the conclusion I came to was, um, you know, my body just was not right. And then, you know, there's this, obviously, in, you know, the swing, um, something I've, I've started to figure out more as i, I, I rise to the ranks here, you know, I've I've met some people that have taught me some some things that um, have changed my career, so that's kind of where I'm at with that.
0: I read, you know, I know that as a senior you only had 13 extra base hits, but I've read your scouting report, A scout, not not the scouting report, I've read a scouting report on you now that um, you're in the minor leagues, and the scouting report now says that, you know, you can drive the ball a little bit, particularly to your pull side. is that did that change happen because of a focus more more on nutrition just kind of keeping yourself um uh i guess in uh, better recovered and in closer to 100% every day has there been more of a focus on uh you know being in the weight room because you now the the report still says that you know you kind of carry a middle infielder body like they don't expect you to gain a lot of other extra weight and uh, i mean you're you're pretty you know pretty average-sized middle infielder, I would say. But has that has that change in the, in the extra base hit power come from anything in particular um, or just from your approach? Because I've read some things about that, too, which I definitely want to get into. But what's been the primary factor in you just being able to drive the ball more from college to now, especially going from metal bat to wood bat? Yeah, it's,
1: it's tough to pinpoint exactly one thing. I mean, there's been so many things that have just been, like I said, life-changing for me. Um, I... Nutrition, obviously, is a huge thing. My mom actually just became a certified health nutritionist, so she's been helping me a lot with being um, that stuff figured out. Um, but ever since I was a kid, you know, it was always, you know, stay on top of the ball and, you know, level swing. Um, you, know, el- you know, even when I was young, you know, elbow up, all that stuff, and, you know, make sure your swing's level. So um, and I-, I was, you know, very coachable, and I think too coachable um, to an extent where, you know, I just did what I was told. Um and I never really, really drove any baseballs because of that. You know, it was always I was told I was a slap hitter. Um, my coach told me that when I was when I was a, a junior <laughs> that I was a slap hitter. Um, I ended up, you know, leading my team in home runs that year. And I, um, it was really the, an intent change for me. Uh, not necessarily a mechanical thing. It was more of um, I'm going to try to hit the baseball hard. I'm not going to try to hit the baseball on the ground. I'm going to try to hit home runs. Um, you know, especially when I got to Indie Ball and you got nothing to lose, um, you, you realize that, um, you know, these big leagues are start looking for a, a slap-hitting middle infielder anymore. Uh, you know, where the game's headed, everyone's going to have to be hitting for power. Everyone's going to have to play everywhere. That's just, that's just where it's headed. And um, I think, you know, I, when I went to Indie Ball, I, I had met um, a guy, Devin DeYoung, who was coaching for the Windy City Thunderbolts at the time, um, and I linked up with him. And, And he really got me started on this path, um, you know, I call it, you know, the path to mastery, trying to master the swing and and the art of hitting. Um, And we got involved with a lot of technology um, that I I really have you know, taken a liking to in the past few years. Um, You know, we got into more of uh, my body and its mobility and its stability, um, what I'm deficient in, um, and we focused on those areas of my swing, Um, but I think Mainly it's the intent, um, understanding that it's okay to hit the baseball in the air. and it's, it's okay to, to hit a home run and try to hit a home run. Um, you know, I used to be told when I was a kid, you don't know, hit the line drive, and if you hit a home run, it's a mistake. Um, I just think that was bad advice for me um, personally in, in my swing and in the, in the way my uh, brain tells my body to self-organize. Um, that, that's really been the big thing is intent for me.
0: And I think, you know, some things you said are what a lot of coaches teach. They're what a lot of kids hear. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of coaches that would say that for young, for young hitters especially, it's, you know, the level swing, trying to hit line drives is probably what you need to do, you know, until, at least until you're physically able to hit the ball far enough to, you know, hit it in a gap or, or hit it over the fence. Um, right, it, you
1: gotta learn to be a hitter before you start getting into this stuff for sure. Yeah, so that
0: so with you, I kind of wanted just to, if you would walk us through, you know, what you did, um, which with Coach DeYoung, who's now in the Red Sox organization as a coach, um, at the time, you know, you, you he said he was with the White Sox now. White Sox, he I'm with sorry. The Red Sox last year.
1: He, he was with the Red Sox last year. Now he's actually with the White Sox. Okay. Um, if, if, if the
0: year was happening. <laughs> if we had 2020. <laughs> Um but like I'd like to just know what sort of things that you talked about and you know specifically the conversations that you had the things that you sort of realized and uh and now what you consider to be you know your your path that you need to follow as a hitter and and the approach that you need to take and just what what exactly got you to be convinced that that was the way to go cuz I'm interested because I think a lot of people uh, I think there's a lot of people in your in your situation who are good players but just as far as having an opportunity to play at the next level they hit the ball on the ground you know too much and like you said there, are you know most organizations are looking for guys in all all eight positions on the field um who who can drive a ball whether it's just in the gap or over the fence but look not they're not looking for the slappy your left-handed here they're not looking for slappy left-handers much anymore unless a guy is, is a really really elite runner but can you just talk us through that conversation or, or the, all the conversations that you had with Coach DeYoung and just sort of how you came to this conclusion that you were going to change your approach and your intent.
1: Yeah, so um, I, had, I had met him through a teammate of mine in, in, in indie ball, Colin Willis, who, ironically enough, just got picked up by the Red Sox for this year as well. <laughs> so we had played together in Indy ball, and now we're both playing for the Red Sox. But uh, we, he introduced me to um, Devin Young back in after the 2017 season. Um, I had not been picked up by the Red Sox yet, so the off season before 2018, I was working with Devin and, and Colin Willis, and um, most of what we had talked about was, you know, if, if I'm going to play in, in the show, like you're going to have to hit for more power, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're hitting the ball over the fence, but I mean you're going to have to hit for extra base hits, um, and then. A big thing was, you know, getting my swing off um, at at the right time, not necessarily all the time. Uh, Being more convicted in certain counts. Um, Obviously, the game dictates on certain jobs that need to be done. Um, Not every at-bat is going to be my at-bat. You know, there are team at-bats, but you have to understand that, obviously. Um, But when it is is my at-bat and, you you know, the swing is for me, um, it needs to be with a, with a max intent to try to drive baseball. So with getting, getting specific here, but not too specific to where we bore the listeners, um, we got on, on force plates. We got on K-Vest. Um, we used blast motion. Um, we, did, we did a multitude of, of mobility tests. Um, Devin, DeYoung, he ended up introducing me to Justin Stone, who's now the uh, director of hitting for the Chicago Cubs. You um, know, I still see stone throughout you know these past two off seasons, but uh, yeah. So we went we went in there and we got on all the technology and um, we found that my pelvic turn is actually extremely slow, um, and that's kind of the first portion of the kinetic chain um, in terms of hitting. So everything everything up the chain had to try to compensate to um, move quicker because my my pelvis wasn't. Wasn't moving very quick. It was uh, it was below the the you know range um, the you know expected range for a pro. Um, I think that's I forget exactly, but I think the numbers are like five ninety is like the the minimum on the pro range for what you want your pelvis to turn at. Um, And I was I was in like four hundred. So we're like, well, what can we do to to increase that? And you know, uh, heel connection is is an option. Um, Different different drills with like medicine balls. uh, my posterior chain uh, wasn't wasn't really being activated at all, and we found that out through some of the, the mobility stability tests we did. Uh, my, part of part of the mobility test was um, the TPI mobility test. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. And then Justin Stone had his own um, test that he did as well, which was cool. Um, so then I, we got into the force plates, and you know we found that um, I actually do create a decent amount of torque um, in my swing through the ground. Um, that has led to a faster swing Um, and then learning to control that obviously you want to keep your direction towards the big part of the field Uh, you don't want to be pulling off you don't want to be late Um, you're looking to be the big part of the field and if you're early hopefully you're still on plane with the pitch to pull it you you still got a chance to get the barrel on if you're late hopefully you get your barrel on plane early enough to where you still have a chance to hit that ball the other way Um, but for me we found actually this offseason um, another guy that, that Devin introduced me to is Brian Johansson, who is the minor league assistant hitting coordinator for the White Sox. Um, and he's, he's around here in Chicago, just just like Justin Stone. So I spent a lot of time with him this off season actually as well. And, you know, we, he's got all those, all the toys of, you know, the force plates and the, the centers and the hit tracks and all that stuff. So that stuff, that stuff was great for me, um, to really learn more about my body and my swing, um, and see what plays, and we even went into my data from last year with um, the TrackMan, because uh, that, that tracks all you know every game I played in the minor league last year and the year before even. So we were able to really like find specific data um, about myself. So something, um, for instance, we found. That I hit really well with runners in scoring position last year, and we kind of start thinking, well, what, why? What was what was my thought process uh, or approach when I had a runner in scoring position? You know, so I start thinking back and like, you know, man, what was I thinking? It's like, well, I had a runner in scoring position, and in most cases, it was less than two outs. Um, so for me, I'm thinking pull as a lefty. You know, if obviously, there's nobody out, and I pull a baseball. I either get to hit and score the guy, or I get out, and I'm probably moving him over to third. So I'm doing the job, getting him over, and having a chance for the next guy kind to of drive in. Um, so we took that approach um, throughout the entire offseason. Like, okay, you hit really well at runners scoring position, and you absolutely crush baseballs. My my average exit below with runners scoring position is way higher than my overall average exit below. um because I'm looking to do damage with range in scoring position, I'm looking to pull a baseball, which is my strength. Um, so it would be, it's really cool to see that through the data, and I never would have known that um, had I not had that data to track me and then go in and really fine tune and look at okay, what approach is working for me? Let's go with that. Um, so yeah, that's I know that's kind of a, a lot, but not too specific hopefully. If you got any any questions about that, I, I can definitely go in in more depth.
0: That was great. I think. I like having the conversations about you know data and how guys use data to make themselves better you know you're you're on social media enough to know that it's a it's a constant debate on I know you're not on Twitter as much as you're not as active as on Twitter as you are on instagram, but um uh you know what that hitting Twitter is something that guys are constantly arguing with one another about yep. about this or that, and data is a big yep. thing um, I think that most coaches out there that are that are coaching and that are having success, you know, realize that there is there's something to be learned from the data. It doesn't need to be everything. Like you still need to be able to teach guys to hit as opposed to just teaching them to swing. But there's a lot of good data points out there. There's a lot of good um, a lot of a lot of things you can take from the analysis. And uh, I know Justin just from from I used to actually when I still coached, that was kind of when Justin Stone started to like sort of come on the scene he spoke the last year I went to the ABCA convention he spoke so and I and I went to his breakout session and so I've known about Justin for a long time and have sort of followed his um uh, his ascension so but I know that just from listening to him like it you, know, you still have to understand baseball you still you you have to just uh you have to do more than just be able to look at data but I think it's just cool to hear how someone has taken data and and figured out how to make themselves better if you were to go back in time like, when do you think would would have been the a good time for you to begin looking at this stuff, like optimally, optimally in your career? Like, I guess what I'm kind of getting at is, you know, maybe freshman, sophomore year of high school was too early, but maybe, you know, being 23 years old was a little bit too late. Like, when would you think would be the good time, and if someone's out there listening to this saying, like, well, I'd kind of like to, I'd love to have those numbers for my own swing and just sort of start to see where my deficiencies are like when do you think would be a good time for a hitter to look into that when do you wish you would have done it
1: yeah i i mean i don't think there's ever a time where it's too soon i think finding the right coach to understand that um technology and the data should be used as a guide rather than an objective i and i i feel that i i have gone on know both ends of the spectrum where I was I used to be all feel and you know I got to feel this and that where then I went super internalized with data where it was like I'm chasing numbers and that's not good either um, so I feel like I'm right now I'm in a really good spot in my career where I'm, I'm at the happy medium of okay here's the data I'm going to use it as a guide but here's how I'm going to train and I can check in in you know two weeks and see where we're at let's see what you know we knew what deficiencies I had let's see what's now changed from that um, but I, I would for me I think if if I had gotten on this um you know eighth grade freshman year I think that would have been optimal for me because I had good hand eye skills um I had you know I had a good swing. there was there was one year when I was in you know little league travel ball whatever I think I was 12 and I hit like 14 home runs one year and you know you're only playing I only played like 45 games or something so it's, it's still a pretty small sample size but uh I was like, oh, you know, I'm a home run hitter, and then you, you level up to the next level, and I'm like, I can't hit a home run anymore, you know, I can't, I can't drive a baseball, so I kind of get discouraged and, and start going back to, you know, what um, I felt that I was good at, and I was just making contact, um, and that's something that I've even struggled with um, at, but I don't want to say struggle, I never, I hate saying, you know, struggle or, you know, deficiencies. it's, it's kind of, you know, a tough word to say, but... Uh, I, I make good contact uh, my contact rate is above average I'm actually looking at my sheet right here on my desk um, my contact rate is is almost at like 60% and average would be 50 um, so I'm, I'm decently above average on contact but then you start getting into the, the decision of um, somebody I you know toiled with this this offseason was do I sacrifice a little bit of contact to maybe get a little bit more power or do I just continue making really good contact and, and not, um, slug as well. So, um, I know I'm kind of going off topic here of your question, but I, I think definitely as early as you can, but understanding that you got to find the right person to guide you through it. Um, because I, there's no absolutes in anything. I, you know, hitting especially there's there's never any absolutes. There's, there's many ways to skin the cat, but, uh, finding someone who has, has a good balance of, you know, experience, um, has a good good idea of technology, and then I think lastly um, psychology understanding people um, and how people, different people's brains work, um, different mental cues for different players. Um, so I think find like I said, finding the right guy, but as early as possible, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, too many people out there. They can put numbers. You know, they they can look at numbers and talk to you about numbers, but I don't necessarily know that they know what they're talking about or how to interpret them. So find the right guy is so important, and it's probably, yeah. um, you know, what a, what a turning point in your career for you to meet uh, Devin DeYoung and, and kind of get on yeah, on that yeah. path with him. So, so Ryan, with uh, what you just mentioned, I'd like to talk about it. What is the sweet spot for you as far as, do you just remain a good contact hitter and maybe sacrifice some extra base hits do you or should you sacrifice some contact for some more extra base hits like what what do you think is optimal from from the you know the numbers that you've analyzed and kind of where you think you know what you think helps you to have the best path to the big leagues
1: Right Yeah that's a great question um so what we kind of came up with, and we had, we had talked about this at the beginning of the offseason, you know, me and, and Devin and, and Johansson, um, you know, kind of all got together, and we, we kind of went through, like I said, we went through all my hit tracks data and uh, my track man data. Um, I, my swing percentage is barely above average. It's like 52%, you know, so it's a like 2% above average, uh, which isn't bad, but I would like to lower that. I wouldn't mind being below... My, my swing frequency. If I could lower that a little bit, but when I do s- decide to swing, that I'm going at pitches that I know I can drive. Um, I, and I think that's where we'll find um, I won't really lose much contact with making better swing decisions, I think will be um, key for me. And then, like I said, being convicted in, in certain counts, um, knowing when it's a good time to do damage, um, like I said, the, the game dictates, you know, there's jobs that need to be done. Sometimes the ground ball is what you need. Sometimes, you know, maybe I need to be in a shift the other way and I can do that. Um, but, you know, me, me, me standing on first base um, isn't necessarily what's going to get me to the big league if I have an opportunity to drive that same exact pitch. Um, so, again, finding, finding the pitches I know I can drive. Uh, and, and making sure I don't miss those. So swing less, but when I do, swing hard. <laughs> that's
0: kind of what we got through. <laughs> okay, I like that. I mean, that's something that I think is talked about at a lot of levels and something that another, you know, speaking of things that, you know, when should you work on this, when should you work on that, that's something that I think hitters at every level should be working on is trying to identify which pitches they can really handle, which pitches they hit the hardest, you know, no matter whether you're 9 years old or whether you're or 29 years old you still you want to hit the ball hard you know not necessarily at the younger levels try to hit the ball you know try to hit fly balls but even if you're hitting a you know a line or a one hopper or, or whatever the harder you hit it obviously the more the more chance you have of getting a hit but um i think at every level hitters should be working on you know identifying pitches that they like and and swinging at those pitches only and um know, just being more selective i know that's something that a lot of most colleges work on and, and something that uh I think even major leaguers, a lot of major leaguers continue to work on just from year to year, really. Right, definitely. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about the defensive player of the year award uh, that you won in 2019. Uh, as you know, for the whole minor league system, you were honored at Fenway Park. Um, what was that like for you to experience that uh, at Fenway to get that award and, and be there, be you know, be at the stadium, kind of like uh, you know the goal you know sort of being right in front of you what was that like for you that whole experience
1: yeah um it it was really special for me and obviously for the other players as well um but to go from you know in 2016 when I don't get drafted and I didn't even watch the draft that year and my parents were you know they were watching it you know for whatever they thought I had a shot at getting drafted I knew I wasn't getting drafted you know in 2016 but you know, the final the final pick was made in the draft and i was you know sitting at home i was actually just about, about to go to the gym and uh you know, both, both my parents come up to me and they, they're crying and i got them both of my arms you know one on each shoulder and they're crying and they, you know we're so sorry you know we knew this is a dream of yours and we, we feel like we failed you you know it's, well, i can understand where they're coming from and, and i almost was laughing and I, you know i i'm telling my parents i'm like this this isn't over like i know i can play i know i can compete at the highest level we're gonna figure this out, you know. We're gonna we're gonna do something here. I'm gonna, you know, find an independent ball team, and we're gonna make it work. Um, and then and then to go to that, you know, it's like from the lowest of lows to to get an award at Fenway and, and having my parents there to see that, you know, and I, you know, my mom my mom's crying again, right? You know, she's <laughs> crying when it was bad and she's crying again when I'm getting this award as I'm walking up the home plate, you know, shaking uh, Alex Cora's hand and uh, accepting my award and, and standing up on the foul line there. Um, I, it was just cool to see my parents. Honestly, that was that was really what it was for me. For them to get to experience that and you know see Fenway um, and get to meet you know all the front office people that that have been phenomenal. You know for me in my career throughout the the three years I've been with the Red Sox, um, that was that was the special moment. It was just to see them experience it um, because they they've sacrificed so much for me and helped me. I mean I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do today without them. So. That was really the cool part
0: was to see them. Let's go back to you. And when you uh, went undrafted in 2016, you did not play independent ball in 16, played in 17. I think there's a misconception out there among uh, players, maybe at the college level, that they just kind of think, well, anybody can play independent ball. Like, you know, if I don't get drafted, I'll just go play independent ball. But it's not quite that easy. Can you talk about just your experience, how you ended up, you know how you know why you didn't play in 2016, and then how you ended up, you know, finding a spot in 2017. We, let's just start there. There's a couple other things I'd like to kind of ask along those lines, but let's just start there.
1: Definitely, yeah. Um, so did get drafted. Um, obviously, I was looking for a team in 2016. I I tried out for a couple of teams. Um, I I went to an open tryout for the Braves in in Iowa. I drove there with my mom and stayed overnight, and we went to this open tryout and for me it was a waste of time but uh you know I did really well um I I took some high school field and um I, I, it was whatever but uh they you know they they're like man you can play like you can really play I was like yeah I know I can and they're like like but what about the hitting like you don't you don't really you don't hit much do you and I I mean I probably shouldn't have said this but I told the scouts like f you man I turn around, grab my stuff. I went to my car and I was like, "Mom, we're going home." <laughs> I, was <laughs> so, I was so frustrated with the entire system, and um, I knew how hard I worked. But yeah, that was that was you know a funny story that I tell. But uh, <laughs> I tried out for these independent ball teams, and they said the same thing the bridge scouts said. Um, not that they didn't mention anything about hitting, but they were they were saying that yeah man you can really play like you could definitely play pro but you don't have any pro experience so we can't find you and i'm like well wait a minute how am i supposed to get pro experience that's what this is for and so i keep plugging keep plugging and and my little brother he was still playing baseball at the time he was in high school um he went to a a, i want to say it was like a perfect game showcase or some showcase and my mom brought him there And my mom you know she she talks to everybody and she was talking to, to a um a a college coach um a d3 college coach at that that showcase um i still I'm still friends with this guy today but uh he talked to my mom and my mom was like yeah i got a son he just you know just finished up at creighton university didn't get drafted he's looking for a place to play um this guy happened to know um greg taggart from the, the gary South Shore railcast and i guess he had played for, for taggart you know way back when and he said, yeah, you know, I, I got a connection. Um, you know, I think they're looking for an infielder. I think they need an infielder. Let me, let me reach out and see. Uh, you know, a couple of days later, I get a, I get a call from uh, from Greg Taggart, the manager of the Railcat, um, and they asked me to come out to uh, batting practice, you know, a couple of days later. So, yeah, sure, of course. So I go out and, you know, I run a 60 and do all this stuff and, you know, throw across the infield a couple of times. I had a couple of arms that I faced um, in, you know, some live, live BP before the game. Um, They they uh, they're like yeah you know we like be see can you come out tomorrow yeah sure so I come out tomorrow and kind of do the same thing you know kind of take BP with the team take some ground balls and stuff and um, they're like yeah you're like we're interested you know just just stand by we we gotta see what happens and, and by now they got like a month left in their season so their season is pretty much done and I'm like wow you know they're probably not gonna sign me like obviously there's you know, just no reason to. um, so I didn't hear from them till about November. And then I get a call saying, hey, we'd like to offer you a contract for the 2017 season. And I kind of was like, I don't know if I should do it. Like, you know, I don't know if I want to go to Gary, Indiana, right, Gary, Indiana, that's like, <laughs> that was the murder capital of the USA for a while. I know Chicago is now, I'm from Chicago now, but man, I don't know, but I didn't have a choice. So I said, yeah, sure, you know, I'll sign it. So I signed the contract, uh, my coach, I had to go down to the Arizona Winter League, um, which is kind of just a, a, a money maker, is <laughs> is what it really is, but he wanted me to go down there and just get some reps since I hadn't played um, after my college season, he 2016 He's like hey, we just want you to get some reps, so you're ready, blah, blah, blah so I paid like, I think it was like $1,800 to go down there for three weeks, and I played in like 16 games, they, they were 7-inning games, so, um, but it, the league was open to anybody, you know, if you had money and you felt like you wanted to play, you just come and play like there are people that you know had never played baseball before that were playing in that league which is crazy um so i went there got in you know a couple reps and then uh spring training started up in uh end of april um that year so i can after after i went to the winter league that was for you know, three weeks in february i had a couple of months back home and then spring training start, started in uh end of april and that lasted for um, another i think three weeks or something like that and um, I crushed it. Like, I'm, like, I'm feeling great. I'm, like, playing great defense. Like, I hit extremely well. I think I was hitting, like, 400 or something. Like, in, you know, and, and the average age in that league is 28. Um, obviously, this is spring training, so it's just a bunch of, you know, scrimmage games and stuff. So, but I'm, like, super young, and I'm, like, crushing it. And uh, so one day I'm, you know, driving home, and I get a call, and he's like, hey, you know, can you come back? So turn around and come back. And go into his office, and, you know, all the coaches there, and he goes, well, you made the team. And I kind of like look around at the other coaches, like, yeah, no shit, I made the play. like, Your best player. Like, I'm, <laughs> was, well, yeah, of course, right? And uh, I didn't say that, obviously. And I'm like, okay. And uh, he goes on and he says, yeah, he's like, man, when we uh, when we offered you that contract, I mean, we were fully intending on cutting you in spring training. Like, we just didn't know, you know. We figured we'd give you a shot, but he's like, we didn't think that you would you would make the team. And I'm like, I'm kind of, at this point I'm kind of pissed because I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you offered me a contract with the intention of cutting me. And I was like, okay. You know, I was like, I walked out of the office and I'm driving home. I had about a 45-minute drive home. And I'm just thinking, like, all right, like I'm a freshman again. I'm just going to have to work my way up. Like, I'm on the team. I'm probably just going to be a bench player. And I'm just going to have to, you know, take advantage of my opportunities when I get them. So I was like, that's that's just what it is. I can only control what I can control. Um, And then – our first game against the Saint Paul Saints in Minnesota. Um, I see my name in the starting lineup, playing short, batting seven and I was I couldn't believe it. I was like I didn't expect to be playing. I'm like, Wow, I'm starting. Um, get out there and there's seventeen thousand fans and I was like, Holy wow, God, this is independent baseball, right? Like <laughs> and the Saint Paul Saints draw the most fans out of any minor league team anywhere. Um they always get at least like 10,000 a game. Like opening day, they had like 17,000 and it was wild And I'm like, wow, this is independent ball. Like this is going to be awesome. This is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I ended up getting my, my first hit that game too. I went one for four. Um, I hit, I got it off with Mark Hamburger. He's a former big leaguer. Um, played for, I think the Rangers, the, the Phillies maybe. Um, great guy. You know, he played, he was older, but uh, it was cool to get my first hit off of him you know, they gave me the ball and everything but uh yeah you know getting into independent ball i thought you know i played division one like it's easy right no problem i had a really tough time getting in um especially in the league that i got into you know most guys go into the um pacific association in california or the frontier league i know the frontier and the can am league is now combined but uh at the time they weren't. So getting into the American Association was, was actually a really big deal that I didn't even know of at the time. I just was like, oh, independent ball, like I can play this, right? No big deal. But I mean, all those guys are just fresh out of double AA, A, triple A. And then I think there was even like five or six big leaders, um, that were in that league as well. Um, so yeah, it was, for me, it was an unbelievable experience. And I always tell everyone, you know, had I not played independent baseball, I would not be playing today. You know, if I, if I had gotten a free agent contract after my, my senior year or or had I even been drafted, um, I wouldn't have met the people that I met, and I don't think my my life and my my path would be the same. I wouldn't um, I wouldn't have learned so much. You know, as we've already talked about, about hitting and um, approach and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think independent ball is great for
0: sure. Let's just be honest, man. If your mom didn't talk to everybody at the ballpark, you probably would have been working for Edward Jones right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me, I know, and that's,
1: dude, and that's what I tell people, it's Like, you gotta get so dang lucky in this game, like, if my mom hadn't talked to that guy, where would I be? Like, I'm playing, and I, I tweet at that guy every year on the day that I got picked up by the Red Sox, I always say, hey man, thanks for making that phone call, I wouldn't be playing baseball today if it weren't for you, you know?
0: <laughs> Unbelievable, just how that stuff it's happens. Crazy. And... It really is. Yeah. The luck involved. And, and so many, you know, a lot of players have stories like that, whether it's this is how I got to college or, you know, and, but this is it's pretty rare, I think, to have somebody who, uh, you know, is playing pro ball, especially affiliated pro ball, because of a phone call that their mom made. Or I guess a, a conversation their mom had, but it's it's unbelievable. Correct. Um, how about can you walk us through, this is probably the last thing I'll ask you, Ryan, and I'll let you get going, but can you kind of just talk us through a little bit about, you know, just the, the feeling that you experienced when things started happening with the Red Sox and they were interested when they, when they called you, uh, I believe you had to go down. Um, did they invite you down for, for a tryout? Is that what happened? Or, or can you just talk us through that and just sort of the feelings that you, that came along with that and, and particularly when you got to sign your actual contract?
1: Yeah, definitely. That, I mean, yeah, that was like the pinnacle for me. Um, so, yeah, the way it all happened again, um, another another explore uh, being in the right place at the right time. But uh, you know, I had mentioned that you know I, didn't, I wasn't sure if I wanted to play in Gary. So, thank God, I that was the place that I played in because my coach had a connection with the Red Sox. He knew a scout. Um, you know, and he, he knows people with the Red Sox. So he ended up getting me a tryout. Um, you know, they have an independent ball tryout every year. He got me into this tryout um, in. February, end of February, or March 1st, my fathers March 1st of 2018, um, and actually, I was, ironically enough, I was in Arizona the day before at an Arizona Diamondbacks tryout, um, so I flew from Arizona back to Chicago, and then the next morning, I was on a flight out to Florida, uh, to, Fort, to Fort Myers to uh, try out there, but uh, yeah, I ended up going to that tryout in March, um, and then I, you know, I actually, I did, I did horrible at that tryout, yeah, defensively, I was fine, but um, you know we faced like live pitching and, and I wasn't ready for that I, I don't think I hit a ball fair but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I ended up I came home and um, I was getting ready for spring training with the Railcats and uh, actually I went I went to the stadium I had my, my locker already set up um, with the Railcats you know I was there for for two days we were facing a couple you know live pitching um, before, before our spring training started and um, I was one of the players that showed up early and Uh, one day I showed up I you know hit live and you know left all my stuff in my locker and I was driving home and and my independent ball coach calls me hey Fitz um, we're gonna need you to come back to the stadium and I'm like oh come on I'm you know I got I got a 45 minute drive back home and like half hour I'm a half hour home I was like why like what, what what do you need and he's like you're gonna have to pack up your locker buddy like the, uh, and I'm thinking, oh no, what happened? Like can I get traded? And he, he goes, uh, the Red Sox signed you. And I'm like, like <laughs> I, I, it doesn't sound like real at first. I, I took it like so like professionally in that moment. I was like, okay, like, like I didn't I didn't even understand like the magnitude of it. I was like, oh okay. And then he's like, they're, "You're going to be getting a call from you know so and so. They're going to tell you this and that." I, I couldn't remember what he said after that, but <laughs> I just knew I was going to be getting a call, and he's saying this and that. And I, I pulled off some exit um, and just parked on the side. And you know, when we hung up, I was like trying to process what he just said, and I was like, "He said the Red Sox picked me up," and I just started crying. Like I just couldn't believe that it had happened. Um, I just didn't know what to do. I was just, I, I was just like sobbing on the side of the road. So. I drive by by that exit all the time, and I'll I'll always remember that spot where I I pulled off and just sat on the side of the road and cried. But uh, (laughs) I turned around, went back, got a uh, nice big black garbage bag, threw all my stuff in there and uh, put it in my car, and I I drove home. Um, My parents were actually dropping off my little brother at college that day, so I didn't want to call him and tell him over the phone I wanted to do it in person. I waited for them to get home, and uh, we were all having dinner. And, and I, uh, you know, I told them I was like, "Hey guys, uh, you know, I got some information. I'm I'm actually not going to be going back to the rail Railcats." And with my mom and dad looking at me, and they think they were probably saying the same thing. I thought like, "Oh, you got traded!" Like, we're, they're like, "What? Oh, you got traded!" Like, where are you going? And I was like, Boston Red Sox. And they just drop. Like my dad jumps and like almost hits the ceiling and like. <laughs> It was it was cool. So yeah, that was that's another good story I like
0: telling people. <laughs> that's amazing. And uh it's just it's yeah. a it's a great story and you're you're the good the right personality to tell it. Uh this is Ryan Fitzgerald, everybody. He is a he's a middle infielder, well an infielder overall I guess. Uh maybe a utility man with the Boston Red Sox and the organization. Um played high A last year. Not sure where he would have ended up this year or if you'll get to, uh, but hopefully hopefully you have a chance to play at some point in twenty twenty. I know the minor league season is still up up in the air as to whether or not you guys are going to play um it looks like major league baseball is trying pretty hard to get something going but where we stand today there's nothing firm about that at least as far as i'm aware but uh um uh, hopefully we get to see you on the field sooner than later and i'm sure anybody listening to this podcast will be following you and your career through the minor leagues and uh, and ryan i, I sincerely hope uh, to be able to meet you in person someday and, and shake your hand and just uh Talk a little more with you. We probably need to cut this off for right now, but uh, but Ryan, very much uh, appreciate you just coming on here and, and kind of bearing your soul a little bit and telling us your story, which is a great one. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on too. That really enjoy talking to you. And uh, hopefully, if you do have maybe I can uh, get on again and we can talk a little more. Kind of uh, update you on what's going on in uh, minor
0: league baseball. Absolutely, we can do that, and and hopefully we'll have another one at some point where you can tell us about your big league debut. That would be phenomenal. That would be great. (laughs) All right, Ryan, thank you so much. Uh, Good luck to you, the Red Sox organization, and, uh, and hopefully you can become a regular here on Figure It Out.
1: Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Thank you.